Hello, everyone. I am so thrilled for you to meet the guests on the show today. These guests have a little bit of a different form of radical audacity than what we have explored so far. Their radical audacity is really in their vulnerability and being able to talk about taboo topics with humor and openness. And I'm just really thrilled for you to meet them today. My guests are Carrie and Jenny of the Carrie and Jenny podcast. We met through this podcasting world and they've brought a lot to my life and I can't wait for you to meet them and have them bring so much depth and meaning to your life. Welcome to the Radical Audacity Podcast. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host. On this podcast, you are going to meet people that walk their own path, live life on their own terms, let go of other people's rules and expectations and the shoulds in life, and instead live life in their own truth, integrity, and authenticity. This podcast will give you the inspiration you need to live your own radically audacious life. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. I am so excited for you to join in this conversation with the amazing Carrie and Jenny of the Carrie and Jenny podcast. I love these women. Uh, these women know how to take life's traumatic, serious, difficult topics and turn them into humorous, vulnerable, open, loving conversations. I love every minute I get to spend with them. And I am so excited for you guys to jump in today and get to hear our conversation as we laugh through the seriousness of life. <laughs> Welcome, Carrie and Jenny. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you, Tiffany. Yay. So, Really quickly, just so my listeners can get to know the two of you, you guys are friends. We want to just learn a little bit about how did the two of you come together and decide to start this project of having a podcast where you talk about serious topics in humorous, vulnerable ways? Well, Jenny stalked me. <laughs> and she kept saying, we're going to do this podcast. And well, then she would give me a deadline. And she would say, I'm serious, man. We're doing this. I'm going to keep texting <laughs> you until we do this. This is when we're launching. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You better be ready. You better be ready. <laughs> That's how that happened. So, Jenny, you're just a really, you're you're a loving, caring, nurturing person is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she She's nurturing with strength. She knows me, so she knows what she has to say. But then sometimes I'm like, dude, I get it. Stop. And she'll be like, okay, well, we're still recording this date. <laughs> no. In, in all fairness, this was her idea first, but we had okay. been talking about it for so long. I don't so even long. remember that, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 okay, we've been friends for over 30 years, mm -hmm. but we've mm -hmm. always been the type of friends that we are... we're close. When we, when we pick up the phone, we can talk for hours like it is just been yesterday no time but it passed. could be six months no no time has passed mm -hmm. it could be just six months if we if either one of us needs something the other one will always be right there she, you know i always say she can call me in the middle of the night i can call her in the middle of the night and she can say 
I need you. Bring a shovel. Turn your GPS off. We're burying a body. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, and I would do it and go home and we wouldn't talk for another year. But then, you know, a year would go by and we'd pick up the phone and like nothing ever happened. So it's we met when we were 17. Um, we mm-hmm. both worked at Sally Beauty Supply and we <laughs> went to the same story. high school, mm-hmm. but we were in different crowds. So we didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. And we've just formed a bond and we've that's kind of kept up for this long i know it's so weird and and after you know some things that we'll get into later happened in carrie's life she you know went through a really dark period it wasn't really reaching out to people i would always you know send texts and check in and then we started talking on the phone and she was like dude um, so and so and so and so thinks that we need to start a podcast because we're hilarious when we talk, and mm-hmm. we we really should because we cover all these things, and mm-hmm. I think we have a lot to offer. And I'd say, yeah, I, I agree. And this went on for like a year, <laughs> and then finally, I was like, you know, we should do this. We should stop talking about it. So I put her feet to the fire. Yeah, mm. I love it. We all need that friend that puts our feet to the fire a little bit. <laughs> I think that's terrific. I mean, that's the heck yes in difficult moments. That's the All right, let's find an outlet for all of this um, so that we we can share and talk and and give of ourselves and open the dialogue and talk about the different difficult subjects. I think a lot of it is, too, is because Jenny and I have known each other for so long, but it's always been a very authentic friendship Mm -hmm. where it, you know, it was really just being there for each other and... That was it. And because it was so authentic and we would talk about so many things, you know, because every friendship is different. Mm-hmm. But her and I are just like a no holds bar type of thing. And I think that's what serves us well by our podcast mm-hmm. is because this really is just who we are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's brutal honesty always yeah. with us. <laughs> She'll tell me if so, I if I'm wrong if I if if I if I don't like what I'm going to hear and she's even said it I think in one of the podcasts maybe it was a couple episodes ago she said to me I'm going to tell you something and you're not going to like it and I was like okay mm. so it's we have that type of relationship that's wonderful so I have to ask you I know a bit about you guys' story and mm. both of you have been through some difficult times, mm-hmm. significantly difficult times that for a lot of people would um, perhaps stop them in their tracks and that it is something that people would completely understand you curling up in a little ball and saying, yeah, um, I'm just going to take some time off from <laughs> this thing called life. Mm-hmm. Both of you have been through moments like that. I like to examine those moments and see what was it that made you stand up and say, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to make something out of this. For Carrie, that was, um, you know, death was involved in that, Mm -hmm. in, in losing your husband in such a shocking way. And Jenny, for you, um, some serious health issues, Mm -hmm. And so much that you've gone through in your life with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to hear from you guys. What is it that made you say, okay, um, yeah, life, you, you've, you've kicked me in the rear end. This really sucks, but 
I'm going to make something out of this. I know for me, which Jenny's going to laugh because I'm horrible about social media. Like, I don't care. <laughs> it's really weird and I just don't. But um, when my husband took his own life, I actually joined a um, suicide survivors um, support group on Facebook. Mm. And I would go in there and it was it was just such a good place. But there's a lot of things I think like people don't realize as much is, first off, a lot of women who are suicide survivors or whatever term you want to use, I don't Mm -hmm. know, you lived, but um, they completely become alcoholics. Mm. A lot of them, you, I mean, I'd read all these posts. They're like couch surfing and, and Mm -hmm. really stuck in their grief, you know, where Mm -hmm. like they're 10 years in and it's still like it was yesterday. And, but there was this one lady where she had been with her husband for like 20 something years. They had a son Mm. and she just wrote. I, and I get goosebumps every, even just thinking about it. She said, he chose to take his life. I'm not going to let him take mine. Mm. And that stuck with me. And it was all from one person's post that, like, mm. that just stuck with me. And I was like, she's right. And you would just, but you would, you'd watch these people and some people would be doing okay, but some people, they would just be so stuck that they would literally like lose their entire life. In fact, Mm. when, um, my husband died, um, my neurologist, because I have epilepsy and this freak show sleep disorder. But so he had the nurse call me and she's like, um, hi, Dr. Wonderful. Dr. Lee, (laughs) Um, he wants you to come in as a friend because he'd been my doctor since I was like 25. So Mm -hmm. I went in and he said, I've got some rules for you. And I said, oh, okay. He said, no drinking. He's like, no drugs of any kind. He said, the only thing you will be allowed to do if you choose to is smoke marijuana. He said, that's it. He said, because you're in such a high-risk category right now, mm-hmm. he said, it's if you drink, you're – he said, I don't even want to imagine what's going to happen. He said, because it's going to hurt. He said, but you have to feel it. He said, you have to. <sighs> and he said, this will serve you well. And I listened to him. And – it did make a big difference, you know, when you have to feel that pain and you're not numbing yourself because mm-hmm. it is, you know, every death is different and, and mm-hmm. how you, um, how it feels, you know, everything. And the process is always different, but that definitely was, I, I'm not even sure how to, to describe the experience because it's just like, you just feel like your heart's breaking. It's really difficult. And then also, um, you know, like his sister, um, she thought I murdered him. So that was a Mm -hmm. whole thing, but you know, people just, they're very quick to blame and point fingers Mm -hmm. at people. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's sad and it's pathetic because they're trying to shame me for things that maybe they, his parents or somebody weren't supportive of him in his life. Like Mm -hmm. it's just that people just like to shift blame and it's not that there's necessarily blame, but you know, I was separated from him when he did it. Mm -hmm. We weren't on bad terms, but he he couldn't give me what I need. And I know there was um, a lot of things encompassed with that. But I just, I had to do what was best for me. And mm-hmm. it comes back to that thing where people are like, well, how could you do that? How could you do mm-hmm. that? And it's like, well, yeah, but I'm a person too. Like, you're not yes. the one dealing with it. So. You know, I, I think especially when suicide is involved and complicated relationships are involved mm-hmm. and somebody that you love but can't necessarily be with, mm-hmm. um, the, the hurt is, is on such an extreme level that so many people cannot understand it. And everybody's hurt around a suicide is mm-hmm. understood in a different way. I know in my family, my brother-in-law committed suicide and my aunt committed suicide. And so I've had it in both situations Mm -hmm. and I've had my mother try to commit suicide. And so I know with all of those situations, there's very, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of guilt involved Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, what could I, could I, how could I have helped? What could I have done? There's a lot of pain of they chose death over being with me. There's a lot of um, just wondering why did this happen? And every person experiences that so differently. Every person in in the person who committed suicide's mm-hmm. life, you know, whether it's, you know, the wife or the parent or the, the child or the sibling, mm-hmm. like everybody's experiencing it so differently. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right that the having to feel through the hurt, that's the hard part. And to me, that is you know, the, the theme of this podcast is radical audacity. And that is radical audacity that choosing to feel the pain and work through the pain, because we have so many ways in this Mm -hmm. life now to numb the pain, whether it's, it's binge watching Netflix, getting lost in social media, getting into drugs, alcohol, Mm -hmm. quitting your job, stepping away from life. There's so many ways to numb the pain um, and choosing to feel it to me is, is, is insanely beautifully brave and audacious. And um, thank you. Yeah. It's rough. (laughs) So much respect. It's sorry, I just completely cut you off. You did not. You go for it. <laughs> um, it's and it's the kind of pain, like the only, I guess, way I could describe it. It's so raw. It's like primal. <clears throat> like it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just there's no, there isn't any way to describe it. So I'm not even sure why there's I just not. tried, but it is almost like primal, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just the pain and the tears and it's raw. And you literally are like, okay, I have a choice whether I can rebuild and I can maybe help other people mm-hmm. or I can just lay down and die pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you for sharing that, Carrie. Sure. Now, how about for you, Jenny? I mean, you've got 
significant things that I, I don't know how in detail you're willing to go oh, I, I'm, with I'm your book. health yeah. journey and the things that you've overcome. I know you and I have talked about it a little bit because you know my health mm-hmm. struggles that I'm going through. Um, but you've had to deal with some huge things in your life and and you've chosen to deal. Mm-hmm. Will you share your story? Of course, of course. I, um, well, I've always, since my late 20s, early 30s, it seemed um, they really kind of kicked into gear after um, my son was born 17 years ago. I started having um, just pain in my body everywhere and uh, a constant, like, lethargia. And I went to all sorts of doctors. No one could tell me what was wrong with me. I went to the Mayo Clinic. Um, the best they would ever tell me is that you have fibromyalgia or an unspecified autoimmune disorder, which I really didn't want to accept. And mm-hmm. I know it's an actual disorder, but com- be- coming from a medical background at the time, I had spent 10 years in the medical field. I feel like it's a label they put on you when they can't figure it out or they don't care to. Yeah. Um, so... I, I always had those types of issues. Um, later on, I was diagnosed with lupus, and that will. I'm I'm blessed enough where it doesn't wreak havoc on my body. You uh, you know I do go through flares from time to time, but changing my diet and such has really stopped that. So. Uh, you know, during a routine visit, I, you know, I've always, since I was a kid, suffered from chronic UTIs. Mm. And um, when I was, you know, uh, when I was a kid, it would be just something like drinking orange juice would cause my me to, it to burn when I went to the bathroom. So it was always a common thing. And um, I went to the to the doctor for a visit and I had a UTI and then, you know, you know, for like six months, a year, it, 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 my, it, my, my um, family doctor said to me, kept saying to me, you have blood in your urine. You need to have that looked at by a urologist. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the lupus. It's, you know, that's what it does mm-hmm. with the kidneys. It's fine. It's fine. My mother went through the same thing because uh, lupus is uh, usually if a, if a mother has it, a daughter usually has it. Mm. Um, so I kind of blew it off for a really long time. And then on routine blood work, again, I gave a urine sample and with no UTI and there was blood in my urine. And finally, my family doctor, who's actually a PA, um, called me and we've been friends for years because I used to work at the facility where I go, where my family I doctor is. Him. Yeah. We share him too. We do. <laughs> We do. We do. Listeners, Carrie and Jenny share a therapist and a doctor. I don't know. Should we be worried? I don't know. And I used to work for her neurologist. So there you go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You guys have too much dirt on each other. I know, right? (laughs) So he called me and he said, Jen, you have to go see a urologist. You have to check this out. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. I will, I will. So um, I went, you know, of course, they, I called and made an appointment. Now, this is like November-ish. And where we are, 
we have like one urology group owns them all like they bought up all the urologists so it's like a it's like a mon- it's like like a monopoly it's mm-hmm. they're like it the is. mafia but it truly is like the eyeglass thing um but so they're all, all owned by this one company and they're all very busy so they basically couldn't get me in until january and i was like all right fine whatever to me it wasn't a big deal and um so january comes i go to my appointment and i know what the drill what's going to be because you know my mother even said to me she, she said they're going to want to do one of those cystoscopes up on you where they go up and look at everything to make sure it's okay and i was just dreading it mm-hmm. so um went to the appointment and of course that's what they want to do they want to schedule that and um you know we're getting into february i'm i'm in, i'm in accounting at this point deep into tax season and I'm managing um, a Jackson Hewitt. And um, because I decided, you know, for a couple of years, I would just work seasonally. And they, you know, they had, I had a CT done and, you know, ultrasound on my bladder. And I was scheduled for this procedure on a certain day. And they called me and said, we're going to have to move you out a couple of weeks because um, there's some things that the doctor doesn't like that came back in your ultrasound mm-hmm. and he wants to put you under an- general anesthesia for the procedure in case he has to remove anything. Mm. And I said, Ooh. what do you, what do you mean remove something? And they're like, well, you know, sometimes the, you know, there's just, just precancerous things in your bladder that they have to remove. And I was like, okay, is there something so, you know, but that blood work's done and, you know, there's a pretty high indication that I could have bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. And Jeez. anybody that knows me knows that when I am given a diagnosis, I tend to go all WebMD on myself. And <laughs> Which find... we know if we go WebMD, we're all dying tomorrow. Totally. So. Basically. <laughs> basically. So now I'm in a panic and I've... You know, my family knows and my coworkers know and everybody knows, which I think, you know, I don't in hindsight, it's great that when people call and check up on you, I was I am so lucky that I have so many people in my life to that called me and texted me every day to make sure I was okay and see what was going on. But it gets to be overwhelming to constantly mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so procedure day comes. Um I go in, I have the procedure, and after it's over, the doctor says, I removed a couple polyps, but it should be fine. And I was like, polyps? And and they were actually not in my bladder. They were in my urethra, right near the bladder. Okay. So um, about a week goes by, I get a call that they're cancerous. So Mm. at that point, you're like, oh, I wasn't like expecting this you know this is this is you know this escalated quickly so um you know i think that even you know if if you're going to get cancer there are two types that you want to get either thyroid or bladder because they're the most treatable Mm -hmm. and um but i think that when you hear the cancer word no matter where Mm -hmm. it is if it's a skin cancer Mm -hmm. piece on your thumb it's scary Mm -hmm. Um, you just automatically, and if you're someone like me, you buy the, you want to buy the casket and plan your funeral and, uh, write your, (laughs) you may have your obituary (laughs) written somewhere on your computer where your best friend knows where it is if something happens. (laughs) So, um, but basically the long of the short is it was 
a, a, a year of a lot of ups and downs and a lot of treatments um, that were, you know, not as serious as anybody that has ever had cancer. And, and like, I didn't have to have chemotherapy. I didn't get sick. I didn't lose my hair. Um, I had a couple of treatments where they injected the chemotherapy into my bladder, like a solution where it would kill mm -hmm. everything. And then it comes out later on, which made me a little sick. But I was in the grand scheme of cancers. I was incredibly lucky. Um, but when you're going through something like that, of course, mm -hmm. you're going to question your mortality because mm -hmm. my father died of cancer um, at yeah. a young age and um, he had everything go wrong that could go wrong from a situation where I remember him telling me on a park bench at Disney World, mm -hmm. I'm going to be fine. This is a minor procedure. They're going to do this, this and this. And then a year later, he was gone. So mm. when you have, you know, at the time, my son, he was you know, 14, 13, 14. Um, you, you're just looking at this kid of yours that you love more than anything in the world and you're like oh my god he cannot grow up without a mother i have to yeah. be here for when he gets married and when he walks down the aisle and when he for the big moments because this will crush yeah. him so yeah. god will you know thank god i got through all of that and i you know have been cancer free from my bladder for a good you know three four years now i i kind of stopped keeping track because mm -hmm. I would get too obsessed with it and too worrisome. Like, oh, I have to go for this checkup and do this and that. And it's a constant reminder that you have it or had it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I am self-aware. I do watch, you know, f listen to my body if I think something's wrong. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you're when you think you're dying or you're, or, or you're in that situation, you reevaluate everything. And you real you you realize, you know, you don't, for lack of a better word, you don't sweat the small stuff anymore. And you realize what is important and what is, um, you know, you don't, you're not going to stay in this job that wants you to work 80 hours a week and they don't appreciate you. You're not going to tolerate friends in your life who are toxic and only want to use you. Mm -hmm. Um, you're not going to let, you know, family members verbally assault you and gaslight you. You, you mm -hmm. just, you say, you, you basically at that point say enough and I'm going to live my life happy and authentically because mm -hmm. life is too short. And a lot of mm -hmm. people don't, you know, there are many women at my age that get breast cancer, brain cancer, and they find out when it's too late or, you know, yeah. they just, it spreads too fast, too quickly and they don't make it. And mm -hmm. I'm one of the lucky ones. So, yeah. um, you have to take that. I feel like you have to take that gift and do something with it. Now, am I perfect? No. Are there things in my life I should change and I haven't? Yes, absolutely. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm also a work in progress. Same. Well, as we all are. As we all are. <laughs> yeah. But I've got to say, Jenny, um, you know, you you reached out to me. We'd already been, you know, talking and, and had um, a connection and, and a relationship. Yeah. But when you heard my episode about mm -hmm. my um, how I need to have a hysterectomy and, and, you know, my concerns with cancer and, and how it brought up all of the pain of me 
losing my best friend to breast cancer when she was 39 and um, just all of that pain, you reached out to me and you made a difference. You know, the things that you mm-hmm. said to me and the comfort and the wisdom. And, and I think that sometimes we have this misunderstanding just because of the way media and, and social media and all of that is that if we're going to make a difference, we have to do it on this big, giant, huge mm-hmm. scale on this huge platform and in this huge way. But really just reaching out to somebody in solidarity and understanding with a sense of love and and compassion and humor and and saying you're not alone and you know, whatever happens, like you've got this, that that makes a huge difference in somebody's life. And if you can make a huge difference in one person's life, then then that's everything. That's everything. And so that's what I really appreciate about you guys. That's to me what, why I wanted you to come on this show, you know, where we talk about this radical audacity and living in your authenticity is I just really think that you guys have taken some really difficult subjects and and you broach them with that humility and vulnerability and humor and authenticity and not really being afraid of what people will say. And you talk about a lot of subjects that mm. <laughs> a lot of people are like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be talking about that. <laughs> but, you know, I love that you're like, whatever, life is too short. We're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. No need to quiet women's voices anymore. And we're going to talk about women's topics and we're going to talk about women's concerns and we're going to do it in a way that, well, if it shocks you, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you have a really loyal following because of that. Thank you. Because you do that. Well, you know, I think that and I think Carrie will agree. It, when we got into this, like, what? What's the point? Like, people ask me all the time, "Well, why are you doing this? You have a podcast. Mm-hmm. What? What's the point? The point is, you you want to be able to make a difference in someone's life. You want mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. able to help someone at the end of the day that could be, you know, at the end of their rope and not see a light at the end of the tunnel and give them some hope. Feel less alone. Yeah, that too, yes. I mean, that's the big thing. Like, sometimes, I mean, look, it was that one lady's post and a suicide survivor (laughs) group that really, like, that stuck with me. So Mm -hmm. I do agree with you, Jenny. I was hoping I didn't, but I did. (laughs) I'd be like, I disagree. That's insane. (laughs) But I have to agree with you. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some of the juicy stuff that you guys like to talk about. All your taboo topics. What is your favorite taboo topic to talk about? I know know what carries (laughs) it. I'll tell you that right now. Sex. Hers is sex. Oh. All yeah. right, so share, like, what is it about sex that makes it a fun taboo topic for you to talk about? I think because there are things people want those questions answered, but people just aren't comfortable enough, like, even discussing it amongst their friends sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, because some people, it makes them uncomfortable no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I don't know. That's just what I find. Like some people are really comfortable discussing things and other people just it's they wouldn't even mention it to their best girlfriend. But yeah. um it's just especially for women in their 40s that are mothers and soon to be mm-hmm. grandmothers. Yeah. And, and it's like, what? You know, yeah, we have a sex life at <laughs> we're not at dead. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, not at all. And I think it's important, you know, the other thing is, too, I feel like it's important for women to, you know, communicate, I have these needs and you are not meeting Mm -hmm. them sexually Mm -hmm. because, again, so many times, and I mean, and I would always do that, you know, is just, you're just constantly usually putting somebody else's needs before your own yeah, and that's why I just think it's really important to talk about it because mm-hmm. it's something people really don't. Not from the woman's perspective; it's mm-hmm. always from the man's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm someone yeah. who came from a family where you didn't talk about things like. Sex was not a subject that people openly talked about in the family. Not that it's a dinner table conversation, but (laughs) it was, you know, you were, you know, it was a very proper, um, we didn't even say I love you really in our family. Like that was something Mm -hmm. that it took me a long time to say amongst my girlfriends. And Mm -hmm. now I never hang up without saying it, but it's so it's, it, I feel like um, there was a lot of shame that surrounded sex and mm-hmm. it was something that you kept quiet behind closed doors. And as I am, 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 you know, getting older and talking about things with my girlfriends and they're relaying to me that these things happen to them too. It's like, Oh wow, mm-hmm. I'm normal. I'm not abnormal. Mm-hmm. That happens to you too. Like, Oh, you think that you do that. You feel that. Oh, wow. So I'm not an anomaly. I'm not like a space cadet and it's comforting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's, I mean, I know that's, I, Carrie tends to want to always go into sex and I tend to more want to talk about feelings. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we try, we try to compromise, you know, I love it. <laughs> we do. It always depends on our mood. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was thrilled with me last week when I wanted to talk about the eyeglass industry and how it's a mafia and monopoly. So, but but she went with it. Yeah. Now, were you able, Carrie, to bring sex into the eyeglass mafia thing at no, all? No, no, oh, man, no. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm working on because be- I'm like sexually anorexic, so that's a whole other thing. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting. I had yeah. a guest on. I don't know if you're familiar with Brianne Davis. She's the author of um, "Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict." Mm-hmm. We actually yeah. does. We did an interview with her. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I know. So she told, and it's mm-hmm. like, I've just put off going to the slaw meeting. And, uh-huh. and her and I talked about it and with Jenny, not because Jen, Jenny is sexually anorexic. No, I think no. Brian thought it was interesting. It. Like, I <laughs> openly admitted it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. So 
I keep saying I'm going to go and then we're going to talk about it on the podcast. But now that you just called my ass out, now I kind of have to. I feel like. You just have to. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Brienne would be so proud of you. Yes. I love her. She's somebody after the interview, like we stayed in contact. She's such a great person. She She really is. She's very genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very. Yeah. She she's she is a phenomenal human being in the mm-hmm. way she gives back. And mm-hmm. um, she even um, I bought her book to send someone that was going through a rough time mm-hmm. and struggling with some things. And I I bought it and put their address. And then I sent Brianne, uh, you know, a DM and said, hey, this is for such and such. Could you maybe. Um, this is what they're going through. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And she wrote the most beautiful note mm-hmm. to them. And now they're oh, in contact. I know. And so it's, so it's one, she's just, she's of service to so many people. It's inspiring. It she really is. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is. She's very inspiring. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. is. Good human being. But you were, and that, that you were to gonna me say, yeah. is, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to talk about No, me. you were going to say, Go you were going to say something after I, when we said, that. I just think that's the power of this medium that we have. This podcasting mm-hmm. is that so many people like you guys, like Brian Davis, like so many of the guests that I've had on, so many of the guests you guys have had on, there is this connection created, this friendship that is created, mm-hmm. this elevating like every time I meet with a guest, I feel so elevated and I feel mm-hmm. so fortunate. I'm like, I am so glad there are people like this in the world. And I feel so blessed that I get to spend this hour interviewing them mm-hmm. and being in their presence. And I am so thankful I get to elevate their story and get their message out. And I just think to me, that is just the great joy of doing this thing called podcasting. There's a lot of hard parts of it, but goodness, the joys are just overwhelming. I agree. I agree <sighs> anyway. with you. I agree. I totally agree. I, the people I've met along the way are really inspiring and phenomenal. Yeah, it is. Are. And everyone's so supportive. It's just, mm-hmm. it's nice. Yeah. And, and, and especially that they're not in competition with, each, you know, we're all not in competition with each other. We're all helping each other. Mm-hmm. There's no need to be in competition. Mm-hmm. No, just, no, no. There's so many listeners out there. Like, yeah, and they no can listen to, to more than one podcast. Yes, they yeah, can. <laughs> come on. Exactly. I know I do. <laughs> I listen to several all day long. Oh, it works. <laughs> it's true. All right, so now we're going to get into the fun speed round, as Jenny likes to call it, but. Um, <laughs> I know. So Jenny had a speed round on you guys' podcast, asked a speed round, and I am so not good at being speedy. So (laughs) (laughs) we tried this for this to be the speed round, but I know it doesn't end up being all that speedy. All right. And this is for both of you. So I'd love to hear from both of you on this. Okay. So I am a big giant book nerd, and so are many of my listeners. So I always like to ask, what book are you reading right now? That would be nothing. <laughs> I'm just gonna be I'm anorexic as well as <laughs> sometimes. I'm actually reading um, the Jessica Simpson autobiography, open book, right now. Ooh, how oh, is, is that? It it's really good. It is really great. And um, I don't when 
she and Nick were doing newlyweds. I was mm-hmm. pregnant when I started watching it. And when mm-hmm. they broke up, I had to take a personal mental health day. It was horrible. <laughs> oh. I was so devastated. And and the funny thing is that Nick Lachey, my husband and I joke, is my free pass. Like he is, Mm-mm. he's like the end all be all as far as men are con- to me. Like he encompasses the whole package, although I've heard he's a dick. And, um, you know, she pretty much said so in her book in so many words too. So, but, you know, a girl can dream. <laughs> be like you're great just don't talk just be eye candy yeah <laughs> just sit there and look pretty don't with your straight teeth yes <laughs> that is so funny oh how fun okay that's a fun book all right so ladies they're making the movie of your life and you get to pick three songs for the soundtrack what would they be mm. <laughs> I can Again, should have emailed that in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I did email it in advance, but oh. Gmail does not understand oh. <laughs> the difference between G M A I L and G A M I L. I don't understand. Yes, okay. it was my mistake that you didn't get it in advance. <laughs> well, the first one is um, "Sweet Silver Lining" mm. by um, Kate Vogel. Mm, she's so good. Yeah. And the second one is, let me look here through my playlists. Carrie, you can jump in anytime here. Well, I think I feel like you guys planned these questions, but didn't tell me you were going to do it. Mine was a total spur of the moment thing as we were podcasting. I mine were in the instructions you got fifteen minutes ahead of time. I would I say the wrong thing. I would say Freebird's a good one for me. Oh, Freebird's a great one. Um, definitely that. Mm. I I'll would say, have to say. Br- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Just because oh, I love that God. song. It's like legit my yes. favorite song of all time. Yes. I would have to say Easy On Me, you know, Adele would be the second one. Ooh. And Finally, there would have to be a Rick Springfield song in there. Because oh, gosh. Is, Isn't that the truth for you? He's my ultimate all-time favorite musician. I traveled the country with my best friend one year, seeing him in multiple spots of the country. Oh, Vegas, my gosh, New York. that's great. Um, so um, I'm not going to say Jesse's Girl, but I don't exactly – probably um, – because Jesse's Girl is like my least favorite Rick Springfield song. There's one he has called Act of Faith. So that would have to be another one. That would have to be the third one. My nice. third one. Oh, I'll do Overcomer by Mandisa. If you guys know that one, it's a good one. Oh. Mandisa. I, I need to look that one up. It's like M-A-N-D-I-S-A. Mm. Overcomer. It's so good. She's like a Christian music person. Shocking, I know, y'all. <laughs> so 
Brown eyed girl is. Mm-hmm. I don't like even have brown eyes. eyes. <laughs> I don't. I do. It's what my dad used to sing to me mm-hmm. all the time. Like he play it and sing song. it to me because I have brown eyes. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just it's one of mine. Like that's one of those like it's timeless childhood. Like when you feel like you're wrapped up in a soft blanket from mm-hmm. your childhood. That's yeah. one of those. So I love it. Excellent. Okay, last question. Hopefully this one is not quite as hard. <laughs> uh, I know the song question is always the hardest. So the last question is, this is a podcast about radical audacity and making a heck yes out of really difficult situations. So I'd love to know for each of you, what is your most recent moment of radical audacity when you said, I am doing this in my way whether people understand it or not. For me, it's my relationship with my mother. Me too. Mm. Me too. That's been the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like, you know, because everybody has an opinion sometimes about that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how could you not, you know, talk to your mom all the time? Well, it's, I have boundaries with her. And mm-hmm. I... I don't care what people think anymore. If they love her that much, she can go be their mom. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like yeah. I, you know, and I feel like, God, if you really know me, you should know it takes a lot for me to create that type of mm-hmm. boundary. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if some people don't understand it, I'm sorry. But, you know, actually, Brian had somebody on her podcast a while back about her crazy ass narcissistic mom and mm-hmm. sister. It was literally, I am listening to this podcast and she's telling Brianne her story. And I'm like, oh my God, I should message this lady because we legit had the same thing. It was crazy. She, yeah. She actually, and Carrie actually sent, texted it to me and said, listen to this podcast. It's yeah. Brianne's podcast this week. It, this is my, my situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I felt so validated. Not that my therapist doesn't validate it, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it, it was like this reassurance, like, okay, I'm not totally batshit crazy mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, um, who is really big in like in the divorce world. She's a mm-hmm. divorce doctor. She's written a couple books and her latest book that she is writing is about her difficult relationship with her mother and her choosing to create boundaries mm-hmm. with her mom. Really? And um, wow. I'm really looking forward to that coming yeah. out because that is my story as well. For religious reasons, my mother hasn't had a relationship with me in, you know, a couple decades and she doesn't know my children and, and um, you know, it's hurtful, but, it's important to set boundaries around that mm-hmm. because um, when you don't, it it lets in. You let you're, your guard you're allowing down. pain that doesn't need to be there in your mm-hmm. life. You're allowing wounds. So pain that is chaos. radically audacious. Not everybody understands it. Um, but setting those boundaries and that those protective mechanisms for yourself are so very important. They, they are. really are. What about you, Jenny? My my relationship with my mother is very. Um, it's always something that I just, I accepted it. It was, it, it's a situation where, you know, we've always fought. She's never been there for me. My grandparents raised me for, and my brother for a good part, portion of our lives. And, but my mother wants to tell everybody she's made so many sacrifices for us. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandmother used to, you know, I can, my, my grandparents, um, 
we're Italian, you know, old school. And my grandmother used to say to me, but that's your mother. You know, you have to forgive her. That's your mother. You only get one. And um, just even in the last year, I think it's really been, no, I don't have to do this anymore. Because it's it's a situation where she will be, she'll out, she'll lash out at me. And mm. she will call me these horrible names. I believe mm. monster is one of them and heartless, mm. which anybody that knows me knows that I'm not. Um, and then she will block me and mm. I can't respond. And um, this last episode, she took it even further and started texting my husband and son really terrible things about me and mm. trying to like trying to get my son to take her side, which um she should know it's not gonna happen and um i was i just said no i don't i don't have to do this i love Mm -hmm. her but i can detach with love and i can let it go and even in our last one of our last arguments um she said you know she'll she's she's notorious like she sent me um uh, a text with like a, a a picture, a meme, whatever you want to call it, and something about um, you only get one mother, and when she's dead, you'll regret it, something like that. And I, I basically said to her, I've already grieved my loss. I mm-hmm. already consider the fact that I don't have a mother, and I in my head you've died. And she's like, that's a horrible, horrible thing to to the way to operate. You're so cold, and no, I'm just trying to save myself at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, um, and and even recently in the last few weeks, I, I made up with my mother only to be disappointed again. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm not speaking to her right at this moment. And I I don't know that I will. So it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely hard, but again, life is short and I'm 48 and I, you know, half of my life is over and you know not to be morbid or how you you look at it i mean anybody could step out tomorrow and die of a heart attack or get hit by a car or have car accident but i i'm not going to spend my life waiting for my mother to pass so that i can enjoy my life Mm -hmm. and um that's just the bottom line with it and i it does sound very cold and callous and it's not an easy decision um but it's just what i have to do right now Mm-hmm. So it's not easy, you know. I think that's that is the important part to understand of radical audacity, living in your authenticity, living in what is right for you. Mm-hmm. Is it often, more often than not, is spectacularly not easy. It is mm-hmm. incredibly difficult, and it comes with a lot of pain. But it is less pain than losing yourself and not being true to yourself because mm-hmm. that is the ultimate pain because you're not, it, it, there's a part of you that dies when you're not living in your truth and your authenticity and what's right for you. And so as painful and difficult as that decision is and as how many people may not understand that decision, that's okay because you got to do what's right for you. You mm-hmm. have to you have to be healthy and you have to protect your your mental health and your emotional mm-hmm. health and your physical health. And if somebody is literally attacking you, 
then then it is very important to take that attack out of your life. So that's powerful. That's great. Thank you. Thank you guys so much Thank for you being for here on the podcast Thank you for having today. us. How can people find you? Our website is um, com, And we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under the same handle at Carrie and Jenny. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you guys you so much. And listeners, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. It's been a pleasure to have you guys today. Thanks for talking about the difficult things and bringing humor <laughs> and compassion and love into all of that. You're Thank welcome, you, Tiffany. Thank you. Oh, I loved this conversation with Carrie and Jenny today. I loved how they talked about so many difficult, taboo topics that really were so important to talk about. You know, one of my big takeaways from the conversation with Carrie was the way she talked about the people that are the survivors of suicide. So the people that suicide leaves behind and she lost her husband to suicide. She talked about being stuck in the grief of this and how there were two people that really stood out to her and helped her. And it made me think, I often wonder if we realize the power that we have in people's lives when we just step up and offer them comfort and support. And sometimes we do it in a way where maybe it is a Facebook post and it's anonymous and we have no idea who we're touching. And and that was one of the things that happened to her in a support group online, in a Facebook group, when somebody said, he chose to take his life, I won't let him take mine. And how that simple post from somebody she doesn't know just made such a difference in her life. And then the way that her doctor reached out to her and told her that how important it was that she actually feel the hurt, no matter how primal and raw and painful it was, he really wanted her to make sure that she was prepared, that she needed to feel the hurt, to not self-medicate through it, to not numb it, that it was vital for her to feel it. And it just, my takeaway there is how important it is to reach out and support somebody going through difficulty, even if we're not entirely sure who is going to hear the message. Just sending out that message of love and support is so important. Another big takeaway I took from Jenny was is with her challenges with her health, fibromyalgia, lupus, bladder cancer, she just really said, you know, it's it's so important to reevaluate what you do in your life and don't sweat the small stuff. Just really think about what is it that is important and set those boundaries in your life so that you really are focusing on what it is that's important. She mentioned if you're working in a job that takes you for granted, that works you too many hours and doesn't compensate you appropriately for your time, or if it's a relative, maybe it's your mother who is not treating you the way that you should be treated, what you need to do is set those boundaries and decide what is important and live your life for what's important and be able to remove the parts of your life that are not important or are harmful. So those to me were really big takeaways. I also loved how they talked about how 
you know, as women, we're often told to keep quiet about subjects, certain subjects. We just don't talk about it. There's shame that surround them. For instance, sex, cancer, death, you know, the suicide, things like that. And that we're often taught that these are shameful topics and we shouldn't talk about them and how they thought, you know what? No, we're not going to have this shame. We're going to talk about it. We're going to make a difference in someone's life. We're going to give people hope. We're going to help people feel less alone. And even if it's just one person, we're going to do that. So those were my takeaways. I'm very interested to hear what your takeaways were from this episode. I want to hear how you connected with Carrie and Jenny. And if you have any other things that you would like to talk about or, or topics that interest you when it re- in regards to busting through shame and not keeping quiet about these kind of topics. I'd love to hear about it. So come find me over on Instagram and DM me and let me know what you think. Have a beautiful day, everybody.